Good morning again. Welcome if you're new. Hello. Um, for those of you who don't know me, I'm Russell. Um, look, if you're visiting, it's okay. Uh, I'm not a pastor. I don't regularly preach. If it all goes terribly, come back next week. It'll be better. It'll be good. Um, it's okay. You're stuck with me this morning, but look, uh, it's not all bad. I think um, what I bring, God uses, um, because if I brought what I brought without Him, wouldn't be a whole lot of good, let's be honest. But He's good. He's God. Um, and He uses um, His Word to change our lives and to break into whatever's happening. Um, so it's good to be here with you this morning. Uh, when I was speaking with my wife, Ashley, about speaking this morning and we sit down and have brunch or lunch, whatever it was. Oh, how are you going with it? Where you? Oh, she, I just told her. She probably didn't even have to ask. This, this is where I'm at. This is what I'm up to on my message. Um, and she's like, just speak. Just relax. Just speak like you're having a conversation. Try not to just bam and wham. And I, I look, I get a bit wham and bam sometimes, church. Um, so I hope you'll still... Uh, Hope you hope you'll forgive me in that sense, and it's excitement because I do believe God wants to speak to us, and I do believe that there's a message for you, for me, for everyone. Um, Pastor Brad and I had a, a catch up a little while ago, and something was mentioned about the podcast. So you know what? If you are listening online, good morning um, to whatever part of the country or world you are in. It is good also to have you with us. Uh, love it. I love it. People in America listen to Sal Baptist Church podcast. We are having an effect, church. There is, there is influence and there is stuff happening here. God is using us over there as well as over here. So it's good. Welcome if you're on the podcast. Uh, what, what's happening? Well, we've had summer camp. Are there any Ignite Youth Tribers here? Where are you? We've got a few. Hey, it's cool to have you in the house after summer camp. Uh, we've got Vision Sunday coming up real soon. I believe Pastor Brad, he's going to, it's coming. Yeah, it, it hasn't happened yet. It's still coming and it's next week. Um, so if you're a bit muddled like me, that's okay. We're in January. Vision Sunday's next week. Uh, we're gearing up for 2020. So this morning, the idea was to pick a scripture that is your favorite or a scripture that's something that you love. Um, and there are a few that I really kind of love and that, that get me. Um, there's this one in Ephesians that talks about uh, while we were still yet sinners, Christ died for us. And, and, and he's prepared these good works for us to do long ago. Um, he died first, but he's got stuff for us to do. I like that idea. And um, also in James, there's this idea that uh, we are saved by grace, grace through faith. So we're saved by grace through faith. So there's, there's this element of still, there's something to be done now. There's a response to be given. God's got this plan and he wants you to engage with it. He wants to invite you in. Um, so that's kind of what I was thinking when I was um, trying to figure out where God might want me to speak from this morning. Um, the scripture that I've chosen, actually, for all you guys who were at summer camp, this is really cool, um, it was something that we had as a theme at summer camp a number of years ago. Um, at, at the very first place we had summer camp, um, it was early days. Uh, we were all young and crazy back then, um, Pastor Brad. Now we're all grown up. So this this scripture, uh, who's been to summer camp? Are there any older people that have been to a summer camp here too? Or perhaps you're not so youthful anymore, but you know, you've experienced it, you've been, you've seen it. Who's heard stories about summer camp? Has anyone else heard some young people share about it? Um, well, I encourage you, church, find someone that went on summer camp and ask them about it. Um, 
You know, there are these moments where God seems to just break into whatever is surrounding your life and just mess you up in a good way. Um, you know, in, in a Jesus way, you come to summer camp and you go home different. Uh, maybe it's the late night worship sessions that were crammed in this tiny little stinky hot shed, but we were just playing and singing and worshiping and playing and singing um, and, and declaring God was so good. Maybe it was in those life groups where you were prayed for or someone, uh, you prayed for someone. Pastor Brad, when are the adults going to get a summer camp? When are the adults? Is 2020 the year of the adult summer camp, church? I'm here, I mean, maybe, sorry about that. <laughs> what have I done? I'll see you at camp at the end of the year. I'll, maybe I'll cook, that's right. Um, so this idea of summer camp, ah, so good, so good. Back on track. Um, this morning, I'm here to say that God has a plan for you. God has a plan for me. God has a plan for us. Um, and we'll be spending most of our time in Jeremiah 29 this morning. Um, who who, who kind of knows where I'm going? Can I get some nods? You know, do you know what, what's going to come next? Um, Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare and not for calamity. To give you a future and a hope. What a cool piece of scripture. What a promise. Plans for your welfare, not calamity. Hmm. So, boom, word study time. All right, get keen. Um, welfare, that word welfare, plans for your welfare, um, comes from the root word shalom, which uh, is used. Shalom is, it pops up 236 times in the New King James Bible. Um, and shalom is most used in relation to the idea of peace. Shalom, peace. Um, Jehovah Shalom, the Lord, my peace. This is this, is this idea. So that word welfare um, talks about peace. Um, and if we look at how it's used in the Bible, um, it's used in conjunction to completeness, soundness, welfare, peace. Completeness in number, safety, soundness in body, welfare, health, prosperity, peace, Quiet, tranquility, contentment, peace or friendship with humans, peace, friendship, and especially relation, in our relationship to God, peace from war, peace is a doing thing, peace. God has plans for your peace and for my peace. So this morning, we're going to jump straight in. Um, we're going to look at three different insights or instructions that God gives his people living in Babylon in regards to how they should live that relate to this passage. Um, we're going to get into the context of the passage in a, little, in a little minute, but I just want us to backtrack in that scripture. So if you've got your Bibles, maybe you've got a phone, maybe you've got uh, your paper Bible, however you read it, uh, maybe you've just got sheets, excerpts, I don't know, that's cool. However we're doing the Bible this morning, grab it out. And we're going to go to Jeremiah 29 four to seven. Um, and we're going to explore what our response could be uh, as we attempt to live in this shalom, this peace God has for us. Um, we know that we're saved by grace, 
we know that while we were still yet sinners, Christ died for us. But there is a response here. There is some kind of action um, that is required. Or we're not to sit idle. We're not just to hang out and just wait. So let's explore together how God might be calling us to live in this shalom, this peace, this welfare, this plan that he has for our life. So Jeremiah 29, 4-7. And this is before that promise of peace and plans to prosper us. And God says this to the people of Israel and Babylon. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles whom I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon, build houses and live in them, plant gardens and eat their produce, take wives and become the fathers of of sons and daughters, and take wives for your sons and give your daughters to husbands, that they might bear sons and daughters. Multiply there, do not decrease. Seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf, for in its welfare you will have welfare. Um, Let's just pray, church. God, we want to know more about your plan. We're hungry for more of what you have for us in 2020. Uh, Lord, we know that you've already got it mapped out. Lord, we know that you have good things in store for us. Lord, we know that you have promises that you keep and that you keep and that you keep. There are 10,000 reasons, Lord, why we would praise you this morning. So we pray, have your way, Holy Spirit. Um, Draw our hearts towards what you would want to say. Through my mundane words, God, would you just come alive? Would you just make something um, so sharp from your word, God, so impactful that we leave different? Because you can. You're God. You're good. And you've got great plans for us, Jesus. In your mighty name we pray. Amen, church. Amen. Three points. Can we do it? Can we get there? Let's, let's gear up. Let's get ready to go. Um, what, when I preach, and I preach infrequently enough that it is, a, how did I do it last time? Where did I do it? What, did, what, did I, what was the function? And Brad just, he's like, mm, I don't know. I can't remember. Um, when I preach, uh, there's so many different ways to do it. And we have so many wonderful preachers in our church that preach in different ways. This morning, um, I, I felt like, Let's, let's come at it from two points of view. What might this scripture be saying to the Israelites who received it? And how might that inform us on our practical responses to the scripture today? So what did it mean for them and what could it mean for us? And I think out of that, God might want to say or speak to us about some practical elements here. Um, it won't all be obvious. Uh, and I encourage you, if you are a note taker, get your notebook out because there might just be one point. You don't want to forget it. I'm going to say so much that by the time we get to there, what was that one point? Write it down. Write it down if God speaks to you because it is so important to revisit it, to not forget it. Um, So I'm going to take a breath again. Um, Verse 5. The first major idea or point is build houses and plant gardens. Um, Ashley had this little thing where she's like, oh, so you've got to talk about gardens in your sermon. I'm like, no, look, you know, I don't want to just force it. Uh, but here they are, here are the gardens. I mean, who would have thought? 
And if you know me, you know that I like to bang on about this, this idea or that idea or that project or that uh, little test and, oh, that didn't work and that died and this worked and, and why would you put the chickens there and why would you use your Makita impact driver to drill three inches into the soil to plant corn under the grass, Russell? It's ridiculous. Plant gardens. I love it. Um, so... Like, funny jokes aside, um, that's where we've been at this January, by the way. So what might God be saying to the, to the people of Israel? Build houses and plant gardens. It's a bit obvious, you know. Um, we can't get any more practical. Everyone should have a house and a garden, shouldn't they? What might it have meant to Israel? All right, so... Um, Where's Tom? Tom knows I love historical... That was perfect timing. Tom knows that I love historical context, so we're going to delve in a little bit to the Israel side of things on this first point. Uh, The backstory, we can read in Chronicles and Kings um, that consequently, because um, Israel was in rebellion to the Lord, um, most of the kings after David and Solomon, you know, it's listed, and they did evil in the eyes of the Lord. You can read about another king and he did evil in the eyes of the Lord, and another king did evil in the eyes of the Lord. There are a couple of good ones in there after David and Solomon, but most did evil in uh, the eyes of the Lord. And consequently, the people of Israel rebelled. They worshipped false idols. Um, They lived a life with their back turned to their creator God. So this is painting you a picture. Um, To cut a long story short, in 2 Kings 24, Babylon came to Jerusalem, besieged Jerusalem, destroyed the temple of Jerusalem, took captives, The captives they took were the people who the city depended on to function. The captives were anyone of importance, the royal families, the captain, the men of valour, the fighting men, the strongest, the craftsmen, the smiths. And they walked 700 miles to Babylon in exile. None remained except the poorest people of the land. So Israel is in captivity in Babylon. Now, these captivities, from what I can gather, were kept in exile but as citizens. See, Babylon wanted to kind of absorb their skills and wanted to build its empire through the people of Israel. So, so they would be there in exile, but they could live, I guess, normal lives, you might say. There was a completely new language, Aramaic, for the Hebrew people to learn. You know, it gets, gets real interesting. False prophets were saying that, um, hey, you know, the exile's going to be two years. Just hang on. Just wait. It's two years. It's cool. In this letter, we know 70 years is the time God appoints. But there's these false prophets saying two years. Their lands, their possessions, anything that was left when they were exiled was given to those that stayed behind. How angry and upset would you be? Get out of your house. Come with me. And whoever stays behind can have it. Like, it would have been, yeah, it would have been devastating. They wouldn't have had houses or gardens. They would have had to have started again. Despite what was happening or had happened, they had to rebuild, regrow. They, they were challenged to be present, to be productive. No, don't sit on your hands. Don't be idle. Don't wait the two years. It's going to be longer. It's 70 years. Build houses, grow gardens. What about these houses? And I went fishing here. The Hebrew houses of the year would usually have been a number of houses built around a shared courtyard or outdoor area. And they would be an important social hub for those families that lived in those houses around the courtyard. Um, they would share the Sabbath meal. They, they would do things, uh, the basic tasks of life together or sometimes on a roof perhaps. 
And this, this is where it gets super interesting. I'm like, well, okay, God, I've, I've, I've figured out, I've, I've delved in, I've asked about the houses, I guess I've got to look up the garden stuff, you know. I love the garden stuff. I guess I've got to go there. Um, Ashley said I was probably going to talk about gardens or something. So what, what, is, what is important about this idea of planting gardens? And, you know, I'm like, well, what, what Israel agriculture? What, what did Israel do in regards to their agriculture? Um, and, and, look, this sermon is a little bit different in that perhaps it's more like a, a talk at our small group or maybe a little bit more like a lecture or um, just a discussion about this. There's a lot of stuff in here. So I said, if you're a note taker and it impacts you, write it down. Write it down. Don't forget it. Um, this one is cool. I think you're going to want to write this one down. So this idea of growing gardens, um, there is this concept in Jewish um, culture called the Shemitah, um, and I probably said it wrong, but um, the Shemitah in Exodus 23, 10 to 11 is this, you shall sow your land for six years and gather its yield, but on the seventh year you shall let it rest and lie fallow, so that the needy of your people may eat, and whatever they leave, the beast in the field may eat. You are to do the same with your vineyard and olive grove. Every seven years, they rested the land. Every seven years, they just let it be. They didn't toil or uh, till the soil. They let whatever was going to grow, grow. And if people needed um, to take that, if it was a useful crop, if there were seeds from the previous year, they could take that. The needy of the city could take that. And it's, it's almost like this it's regenerative agriculture. And I was blown away. I really was blown away. Um, grow gardens. You'll be looking after the land and you'll be looking after the people. Grow gardens. There was this, and it really hit me. Um, and it only gets crazier, church. I kind of got sucked down a rabbit hole with this one. I'm going to level with you. Um, so Israel, um, Babylon, um, many of those um, ancient cities, they were they were built around two really important rivers usually or, or on those rivers uh, connected to them in some way, shape or form. There was this area in the Middle East called the Fertile Crescent. All right, and this is where it gets crazy. So sometimes referred to as the cradle of civilization, the ancient inhabitants of this land helped to advance almost every area we know of today in science, in health, in farming. Um, all the, all our, of our human development appears, um, historians, say, appears to have come from this fertile crescent. I'm like, that's crazy. It's getting even more intense, God. Um, and it was unusually fertile. Um, Babylon would have been a land of opportunity for business, for commerce, for law, for farming. Uh, it, build houses and grow gardens. You know what? Even though everything you had was gone, there is opportunity for you here, people of Israel. Build houses, plant gardens. Um, so many of these cities in the Fertile Crescent were built along the great Tigris and Euphrates River. Um, and, and as I said, unusually fertile land. Um, no houses, no gardens. Start again, but it's fertile. Okay, there's a little bit of hope here. There's a, there's a glimmer of hope in God's plan. Um, it's not dust and rubble. Despite what has happened, rebuild, regrow, be present, be present and be productive. It, it's... Yeah, it's, it's really cool. When the king Nebuchadnezzar 
um, of Babylon, when he ruled during these times, when this letter was written, when uh, the people of Israel were in exile, um, Babylon was flourishing. It was possibly the greatest city on earth. This is what we're talking here. Um, there are these fabled hanging gardens of Babylon that he apparently built for his wife, who was off from a far distant land, and she missed um, she missed her homeland that was all gardens and trees. And he grew these hanging gardens. Apparently, there's rumored to be six or seven waterfalls in the city. It just sounds like a paradise. Um, you look up pictures or renditions of it, and it is crazy. It looks fertile. It looks like a garden of Eden, so to speak. Um, and this is where it gets, it gets even, it's stepping it up again. But in later times, after many military conquests that continued into Roman times, after natural disasters as well, it is said that rampant urbanization, uh, the overuse of the land, resulted in the decline and the eventual abandonment of the cities in the fertile crescent. Today, much of the river system has been damaged or dammed. Um, the fertile land has shrunk to a small percentage of what, what it once was. Now, Russell, why give me this history lesson? You've burned half your sermon talking about um, these, these ancient things. What could this mean for our welfare today, for our shalom, for, for the peace and the plan God has for us? What might God want to say to you and I this morning about building houses and planting gardens. Um, yeah, great, have a house. Yeah, great, have a garden. Maybe that's where it stops, but I don't think so. I think there are some principles here. Um, and I think the first one is they needed somewhere to meet. They, they needed that little courtyard. Um, be planted somewhere today, church, I would say for us. You know, build houses and live in them. What can we take away from that? Let's be planted somewhere today. Even if we think we are only staying a while, even if we think we could go, go, next week we're gone, God knows what is going on. He knows how long you'll be here and He knows how long you'll be at the next place. He has this amazing plan. So while you're here today, He has these opportunities for your growth, for our growth. Sometimes, like the exiles, we might not be able to see it. Sometimes the world around us and our, our situations might seem broken and, and full of despair. But God has this plan, and it starts today. We've got to live today, church. So get planted today. This idea of um, showing up, meeting up, the idea of coming together in the courtyard and sharing meals. You need a place to come together, church. We need a place to come together. We need to be planted. This is it. We can come together. We can be planted for this season. And on to the planting of the gardens. It just got me. Shemitah, wow. You know, what if two and a half thousand plus years ago, God wrote a letter to his people in captivity in Babylon because he wanted to speak to us today. What if? What if the answers to this global weather crisis, this, these carbon emissions, these greenhouse gases, this soil erosion, this poor air quality, the crop failures, the health-related issues due to the overuse of poisonous chemicals to grow, store our food, what if the answer to growing a healthy, sustainable food source for our 7.8 billion people on this earth what if it starts here today? And what if it's all about Shemitah? What if it's about resting the land? What if it's about resting together? 
the more you look at this Jewish concept of smita, it encompasses so much more um, than just growing crops and farming. Um, there's food, there's money, there's rest, there's time. Um, it just goes super deep, super quick, and it grabbed me. I, I couldn't stop thinking about it. And you might say to me, Russell, Russell, I don't want to start a biodynamic sustainable market garden with you this week. Well, that's fine. I'll do it by myself. That's fine. You don't have to, you know. Um, you don't have to, church. This idea of Smita uh, also looks at considering the five years that have gone before. What goals did we set five years ago? What goals have we met? We, we, we met? And what are we looking forward to over the next five or six years? Build houses, grow gardens, eat their food. It almost seems mundane if we gloss over it. But what are the seemingly mundane things that matter uh, that we can do today? Smita is all about, from what I read, uh, it's all about this idea of caring for the land and caring for people. You know, so, so at its heart, it's about caring for people and it's about caring for the earth. This group, um, this Jewish uh, group called Hazen um, in the US, um, suggest um, they they are into sustainable living um, for Jewish people, but other people as well, everyone. And they suggest that maybe a digital smita um, is is something we could engage in. Maybe we could, instead of leaving the the field to lie fallow, maybe we could unplug from our digital devices. Um, maybe we could put our screens down when we eat more often. You know, maybe we could unplug and rest from these inputs that constantly demand our time and attention. Maybe that's how we live in God's plan for us today more. Maybe that's how we engage what he has for us more. We just stop. There's that shalom, peace idea coming through again. Bam, smita. I like that word. You know, maybe you're a zero-waste house. I'm not, we're not, but we're trying. Zero waste? Not yet. Less waste? Yes. You know, maybe, maybe for you it's about choosing what you eat. Maybe it's about sharing that extra meal. Maybe it's about deciding to buy local for a month to find out who your food producers are and support them and learn about their journey. Maybe you've decided in your family to do no packaged food for a week or to track the packages that you, you eat from and then have a family discussion at the end of the week what was in that stuff where did we get it from who did it impact how did it care for the earth how didn't it care for the earth maybe you're just going to try and rethink reuse and recycle more in 2020 maybe you're going to the op shop first you know maybe you're looking to those little things those little mundane things when you talk about building houses and living in them it's every day it's every day you live in that house it's every day you do these things um, yeah, we have friends that maybe they've planted trees on the block. Maybe they walk to work as much as they can. I don't know. Maybe they're looking at getting a little compost thing that sits on their bench and that they roll around and it does the compost for them, you know. Um, maybe that's how you're going to do it. But all those stories are real and it's how we express um, our concern for this earth that God has given us, how we live in this idea of smita. How are we going? Have I, have I lost you yet? This is pretty intense. If we were going to wrap this up, um, there is so much more to this scripture, church. Um, the next point would have been multiply there and do not decrease. 
Um, you know, maybe, maybe it's not about building, maybe your season is to build a family and that's okay, that is amazing. If, if what you took away from that scripture, multiply there and decrease, was we're going to build our family, we're, we're going to um, grow our family, that's great. But I think there's a broader idea there that says grow the tribe. Um, Israel used to live in clumps of tribes together and they would have that house courtyard idea and they would be building the tribe. So maybe multiplying and, and not decreasing for us in our modern context is growing the tribe. Um, and I've got pages here, so we're skimming now, but this is so, so cool. How do we grow the tribe? And I'm doing all this reading and looking and researching. What does God say about growing his church? Is it, is it on the pulpit, on the corner, on the soapbox? Is it, what kind of, is it evangelism? What is it? And I start doing this reading and a number of commentators, commentators I read come back to this idea of the one another's. How do we build the tribe how do we grow the tribe? One another. Love one another. Be devoted to one another. Have mutual concern for one another. Um, if you're a note taker, one of these jumps out at you, write it down. Carry the burdens of one another. Honor one another. Encourage one another. Bear patiently with one another. Be kind and compassionate to one another. Confess sins to one another. Forgive one another. Show hospitality to one another. Accept and receive one another. Warmly greet one another, submit to one another, treat one another as more important than oneself, instruct and exhort one another, speak to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Spur on one another to love and good works. Wait for one another in worship. Live in harmony and unity with one another. Show humility towards one another. Pursue what is good for one another. Build up one another. Follow Jesus' example of washing the feet of one another. Church, I think one of the takeaways we can grab from that is living in a way that places uh, the peace or the shalom of those in the tribe above our own. Um, that's how we live in God's plan for us in 2020. Uh, consider our Christian brothers and sisters, consider their welfare. Uh, could we be so radical as, I mean, I'm going to struggle, but could I place someone else's welfare above my own? The scripture calls me to. And I don't think those scriptures are rebukes. I think they're encouragements. Hey, have you tried this? Hey, what about that? Hey, do you know you can do this in the tribe? Hey, do you know you can do that in the tribe? Build the tribe. Multiply. If we want to live in God's plan for our lives and trust Him for our welfare, then we'll uphold the welfare of those in the tribe. Our welfare is tied to the tribe. Multiply it. Build the tribe. Last point, second point was build the tribe. First point, we're building houses and planting gardens. Third point, seeking the welfare of the city. The context, oh my gosh. Any land you had, any possessions you owned, anything is gone. They've taken it away. Your enemy has destroyed it or pilfered it or given it away. It's gone. Um, one of the journals I read stated that King Nebuchadnezzar would have been so pleased with his Israeli captives in exile because they were leaders, they were skilled workers, um, they were trained fighting men, they brought so much into his city, into the welfare of his city. Um, but they took everything from the Israelites, make no mistake. Um, it's not difficult to guess how the Israelites may have been feeling in exile. Yet God says, hey, I've got this plan for you 
and you've got to seek the welfare of the city you're in. It, yeah, it's hard to swallow. But God was true to his word. God honoured the Israelites and many of them ended up um, in positions of authority. They were treated well. Um, they found themselves um, in government. So what might it mean to seek the welfare of the city for us today if we want to live in that plan that God has for us for 2020, engage in that plan? Um, and, you know, we might not be held captive in Babylon, but sometimes we can certainly feel trapped and captive in our situation, right? Sometimes you can feel like, well, it's so mundane or it's never going to change or I am stuck here, God. Is this part of your plan? It's almost an oxymoron, you know, for the... Um, for the Israelites, uh, well, look, you know, those guys that destroyed everything, look to their welfare and I'll give you welfare. Look to them and pray for them and I will look after you. What a spiritual principle. What a crazy upside down way of looking at life. Um, and it's so poignant. It's so sharp when you consider what happened to them. You know, I don't like that person. Am I going to seek to support them? Am I going to look to their welfare? Am I going to pray to the Lord for them on their behalf? Um, God promises us that shalom peace, just as he promises it to those in exile. And we engage with that when we look to the welfare of the city. So we're going to land, we're going to land the plane now, church. You've done so well. Um, you've done so well. It's okay to put others first. God has a plan that includes our welfare. Often we find testimonies around this room. You know, when I considered others, God looked after me. When I thought of their welfare, my welfare was taken care of. I had no lack. It doesn't make sense, but it happened. You know, how else we might look to the welfare of the city then? Maybe we volunteer. Maybe we meet a need. Maybe we, we humbly look to those who are suffering in our community and just come alongside them. Maybe we help the elderly neighbour next door taking their washing when it's raining. Maybe we mentor a young person through the Kids Hope program we have here at church and we partner with schools. You know, maybe we engage with our community. Maybe we look to the welfare of our community and God looks after our welfare. We don't have to worry because he's got plans for us. And it includes looking outward, church. It includes looking to our community. And if he's speaking to you right now about something, write it down. Don't forget, this is so important. Has something been on your heart? How can you look to the welfare of the city? The welfare of the city is tied to our welfare. It's in, it's in the word. It makes sense. Um, God has a plan for our welfare, and a part of that plan is using us to look to the welfare of those in the city. Um, See, so yeah, as, we, as we finish up, um, if the team's going to jump back up... Um, we covered so much today, church, and there is so much still in that scripture. There is so much still in that scripture. Um, this idea of, of shalom, peace, being a thing that it, 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 it's, it's active, it's, it's, it's in every choice that we make. Do we engage in that with God or do we do something else? Um, has there been a practical application that has jumped out to you this morning, specifically for you, for me? I know there were so many when I worked through that. Um, Lord, how do I do your plan in 2020? Start here. <laughs> Start here. Jeremiah 29 says, For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare, 
shalom, peace. And not for calamity, to give you a future and a hope. And just like those in exile in Babylon from Israel, who this letter was written to, we can take solace and comfort in those words too this morning, church. So as we consider 2020, and as we consider what it might hold, um, as we gear up, as we get going, um, our lives are already running 100 miles an hour. It's almost February. Let's remember that God has a plan for us, that every moment and every day is a chance to respond to Him and to engage with Him in the plan He has for us. He moves first. He saved us, but we respond, church, in every area of our life. And maybe it's just picking one area. I'm going to, Lord, I'm going to respond to you more in this. I'm going to respond more to you in that. Lord, this is what you've impacted me with. It's not static, church. It involves us responding and engaging. You know, maybe we're going to choose to be planted in a community this year. We don't know how long we're staying, but we are going to be planted. Maybe we're going to choose to care for the earth that He's given us, that is a gift from Him more this year. Maybe, that's, maybe it's in the plastic wrappers that I so frequently get and throw away. Maybe it's in those little things that I do every day. Maybe that's how I'm going to live in God's plan for 2020. Maybe He wants me to focus on building the tribe. He wants me to put into those around me, to the brothers and sisters that I've perhaps forgotten about and I've neglected. Because it happens, we do it, we get busy. Life takes over sometimes, church. Maybe He wants us to consider one another. Those one another's, there's 25 of them. Pick one. I'm going to be hospitable this year, God, because I know you're in that. I know you've got plans for that. Maybe we look to the needs of those in our community. Maybe we say, God, where are the needs? Where do you want me? What small thing can I do that has eternal consequences? What small thing could I do that would just change? my community? What club can I join and be a part of? What can I sow into? And you know, the final command in that was to pray for the city on their behalf. Bring them to the Lord. Lord, who can I pray for? Who can I pray for in my community? In the tribe, in my house, who can I pray for? God, who can I bring to you on their behalf? Because you've got plans. They're good plans. Their plans to prosper me and the people I know. Their plans for my welfare. Their plans for my peace. Their plans for their welfare, their peace, their shalom. Well, who can I pray for? Don't miss this moment, church. As I said, write it down if God's saying something to you. Make a note in your phone. Even as we pray, God, we thank you that your plan is not ours. Lord, we thank you that you call us to live and work in your amazing plan. Lord, we thank you that you have done it all on the cross and you just look to us, Lord, for a response to what you've done. And Lord, even in our responses, we find that we are lacking so often, God. We find that we have nothing left to give. We find that we're tired, we're sick, we're worn out, God. But we know you've got plans for our welfare, Father. We declare that your word is alive this morning and that you have plans for our welfare. You have plans for our health. You've got plans for our prosperity, Lord. And we pray in 2020, you would help us to engage with those around us in our tribe, in our families, in our community. We'd engage with those plans you've got. Help us, Lord. Equip us, challenge us, speak to us. 
We pray that your words would not fall on our deaf ears, God, but our hearts would be open. Even when we don't understand how it works, God, we pray that we would be in the midst of your plan and that we can trust you with that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.